If you know anything about me besides the fact that I am a photographer and an entrepreneur, then you know probably that I am obsessed with mindset. And I think mindset is fundamental to success in any field. So with all my obsession around mindset, I always look to the people that I feel like can help me. That's one of the reasons I turn to meditation. That's one of the reasons I have a pretty detailed morning routine. And that is one of the reasons that I am excited for my guest today, who is Dr. Michael Gervais. Mike Gervais is a high-performance psychologist. In fact, he is the team psychologist for the Seattle Seahawks. Now, you don't have to be a sports enthusiast to understand um, high performance in any discipline. It just so happens that he's the team psychologist, but he also works in the trenches in all sorts of high stakes environments. Um, whether that's again, MVPs from every major sport or with fortune 100 CEOs, artists and musicians alike, we all need a powerful mindset if we want to tap into our maximum human potential. Now, Dr. Mike is also the co-founder of Compete to Create, a joint venture between himself and the Seahawks head coach, Pete Carroll, which builds a framework to enhance high-performance cultures by focusing on mindset training. So I had the good fortune of being a guest uh, on the sidelines of one of the Seahawks games this past season with uh, Dr. Michael Gervais. Um, got to experience the vibe on the sideline, um, and I've I've had the good fortune of appearing on his podcast, which is one of the top health podcasts out there. It's called Finding Mastery. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. I recommend you look it up. Um, but today, we get to cover a ton of ground around unpacking and decoding how the greatest performers in the world use their minds. And very importantly, what is available to you right now, today? And when you hear the conversation, it's 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 no longer going to be a stretch to understand why so many of the world's top performers and so many of the top performing companies out there in the world seek Dr. Michael Gervais' coaching around how to be world-class and how to transform themselves to be the very best. So it is with so much enthusiasm that uh, I introduce Michael to you. Um, if you're familiar with his work, we cover some things that he shared with me he hasn't really talked about very publicly. And we also have a very, very tactical conversation about what to do, when, how, with whom, and most importantly, how to get started today. So I'm going to get out of the way and let you enjoy this conversation with Dr. Michael Gervais. But before we do... Just a super quick word from Creative Live. This episode of Chase Jarvis Live is brought to you by Creative Live. And you all know, yeah, of course, I am the founder of that company. But I got to just be straight up. This is unequivocally, no questions asked, the best place in the world for creator and entrepreneurial education. I mean, frankly, nothing even comes close. And it's the only one that's focused specifically on photography, design, video, art, music, craft, and maker and the ability to make a living and a life in all those disciplines. It's where the best teachers in the world, where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, the best of the best go to teach. So of course, I'm biased, but I, I just encourage you to check it out because nothing else comes close. Okay, that's it. That's my soapbox. That is the commercial, and we'll hope to see you over Creative Live. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome, Dr. Michael. Oh, what what a fun introduction. Thank you for including me that way and including me in your community. So thank oh, you. We're we're very happy to have you and I had a great time on Finding Mastery. Again, folks, if you're uh, if you aren't already subscribed, please go check that out right now. Um but for the next I would say 45 to 60 minutes, um I am dying to hear your perspective. There's so many people right now um, facing uncertainty, uh, facing challenges um, at work, at home, maybe more challenges in a, you know, a, a one-month period than a lot of people have faced in their life. And how important is mindset? I can, I can only imagine the, uh, the 
amount of coaching that you've been doing to Fortune 100 CEOs and the MVPs of these sports that aren't playing right now. Um, but rather than me try and imagine, I'm just going to hand the ball to you metaphorically here. Uh, what's it been like in this crazy time of uncertainty? And um, and of course, give us an update on you too. How are how are you and yours doing? But just paint a picture for us. What's going on in your work world? Okay, so first order of business is that athletes at the elite level and coaches are practiced. They're skilled at uncertainty. Every game that they go into, the outcome is an unknown. And so because of that, they have good skills at managing the unknown. So while the thing that they love doing has been ripped away from them right now, they also have a framework for that, which is injury. So at the world stage, I'd be hard pressed to find an athlete who didn't understand what it means to go through an injury. In in psychological terms, one day everything's rolling. The second, the next second, it's like, oh, I can't do. My body can't do what it once did. So because of those two elements, I think there's a lot for us to learn from athletes and coaches about how to manage uncertainty. And so. It's not what you might think. It's not like there's a the sky is falling doom and gloom. This is actually right square in their wheelhouse because they understand to explore their potential, to perform toward their upper limits, they need to manage uncertainty. They need to become incredibly skilled at it. And so mm-hmm. this is a new way of doing just that. I love it. And compete to create is an amazing framework again i was introduced to it uh through meeting you um learning a little bit about finding mastery i had the good chance of uh going to the seahawks game with you and uh and meeting your president i had a couple of in-depth conversations what an amazing framework and i often say create to compete because my mind goes to creativity but compete to create uh, you talked about the athletes that you coach and the coaches that you coach. They have a framework for this. It's you know injury and you know obviously high performance. Uh, what about compete to create, or what made you start that as a as a business and a discipline? Was it were you working with individual athletes and then wanted to create a framework, or were you, did you have this framework and you were putting athletes under it? What was the auspice under which you you got that started? I've been fortunate enough to work with Coach Carroll for the last nine seasons. And prior to that, he had 40 years in the um, elite football world. And I had had about 20 years working with elite athletes across many different domains, including some of the entrepreneurs and artists that you mentioned. And so we came together and it was about year two, right in the middle of year two. So heading into our first Super Bowl. And he, the reason I wanted to work with him at the Seattle Seahawks is because I'd been part of other pro sports and other franchises, but it didn't, it never felt like I thought it might feel at the Seattle Seahawks. So he's got an incredible skill and he's got a very clear framework on how to build a culture where people collectively can work towards their very best work. Right. And then you add the psychological skills to help people do their best work then it felt like one plus one was something far greater. And so we combined, so it was a, back to like that year and a half mark. And he says, Mike, like, this is amazing. Can you feel <laughs> the way it feels? And now we're heading into the Super Bowl, meaning that, you know, there's a natural energy when the team is working well. Yeah. And what he meant is that the culture that he had orchestrated was on point. We had 60 some alpha males that were pointing their nose in the same direction. We had 25 coaches, alpha competitors pointing their name, their nose in the same direction. And it was working. So he, you know, in the hallway, he's like, Hey, let's write it down. Let's write what you're doing, what I'm doing, what we're doing together. Let's just write it down. So we, we did just that. We wrote it down. We scratched it on the back of a napkin and that became the basis for quote unquote, a curriculum. And we shared that those best practices and it's all anchored in good science and only the innovations that can take place on the frontier. But it's those two variables put together. We shared it with Microsoft, their CEO at the time, Satya Nadella, still the CEO now. And um, it was like, okay, let's go. And so to date, we've been fortunate enough to train uh, 40,000 people 
at eight hours a person at Microsoft. And so they helped us really understand how to do mindset training at scale and how to train your mind to live in the present moment, how to enhance the culture that you're wanting to create. And um, it's been an absolute life's meaning uh, and life's work coming together. It's been incredible. Well, I am I am a uh, I would say tangential beneficiary. He's a longtime, lifelong, if you will, Seattle Seahawks fan. Um, I was at that Super Bowl as well when we trounced the Denver Broncos in New York. Um, it was one of the great highlights for me of my long sports uh, passion here in Seattle, and a, of course a, a passion for Seattle and having them struggle so much through the 70s when I 70s and 80s when I was a young kid. My grandma had season tickets for every single game. I went when I could. Wow. Um, but just thank you for bringing home some Super Bowls and helping to transform that organization. Uh, but oh, hold, speaking- hold on, Chase. I, I want to okay. be super like thoughtful. There are so many smart, capable, strong, creative people um, at that organization. Not one person does anything alone. Nobody does the extraordinary alone. We need each other. So, you know, it is really something that we're – culture is a living, breathing, um, dynamic exchange between people. And so I, I appreciate the the compliment, but I'll, I just want to make sure like it's the best part of working with elite teams, whether it's sport or otherwise, is the connection between individuals and the mission-minded approach together and the understanding that we need each other and we need each other to be great, to do this extraordinary thing that we're trying to do. And so um, I, I want to say thank you, but also just put a fine tune on there that Nobody does anything alone here. <laughs> well, spoken like a true leader yourself. Um, that's a great point. And it brings me um, very naturally to something that I wanted to share, which is you're doing a lot with the team, right? We talk about the Seahawks and the team, and you just went through a nice um, explication of all of the the ways that people work together. But I've long believed, and I know you feel the same, but I, I want to get your specific comment on this, that nothing happens in a vacuum, that even if you consider yourself a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, I know you coach you know, Fortune 100 CEOs, um, and that is both a team, a team in spirit, you're connected to a community, then there's an individual aspect of that as well. But we're, none of us are in this journey alone. So how important to your framework and the method of coaching that you, you know, teach to these, um, these, in these high stakes environments, you know, talk to me about the relationship between the individual and their community. Oh yeah. Cool. Okay. So first order of business is that our brain is designed to try to solve and survive. Like that's kind of what we're, our brain is responsible for doing. And it's a very orthogonal approach to say, how can we put ourselves in stressful environments and then still be connected to other people when under duress and under stress, what happens is people work on saving their own ass. <laughs> and so that, but that's not going to be part of the solution for, you know, world-class organizations. So what does that mean? It means under stress, there's a very predictable cascade of events that take place for individuals, both from a psychological and a physiological standpoint. Mm-hmm. And our brain is so powerful. It's that three pounds of tissue that sits inside of our skull. But to oversimplify, our mind is what's driving the brain. Mm-hmm. Now, I say that and I can hear all of my colleagues you know, in, in the back of my mind saying, Mike, it's never that simple. It's not that simple. And it's not. You know, There's a much more dynamic interplay between mind and brain and body and environment. That being said, let's just kind of play this out for a minute, is that if the software is unsophisticated, if it's not coded well, if it is not thoughtful in design, then the brain is going to win because the brain is it's incredible. It's constantly scanning the world to find danger and to solve against it and find other danger and solve against it. What we need our mind to be able to optimize that hardware, our brain. And so that's where psychology comes into play, specifically the psychology of elite performance or high performance for individuals. And there's five main factors. Mm. And all of these factors, I'm happy to share with you, all of these factors are designed to help people thrive. And it sounds so cliche when I say it, but that's really what it's about, is under stress, do you save your own ass or do you you double down on being present? And can you be present with other people that are trying to solve the same thing you're trying to solve together? And so an undisciplined mind 
it's it's fun because you know ADD is wonderful in some cases, you know, and it's uh, emotionally erratic. It's kind of all over the place, but a disciplined mind is rare. And getting your mind to be in the present moment across conditions requires training, and that's the business that we're in. You you frame that beautifully, and to, to I guess the commonalities be, beyond uh, amongst elite performers. It seems to me that there is just a really common baseline, whether you're talking about a Fortune 100 CEO, an athlete, an amazing photographer. Um, what what are some of those attributes that play across genre in a healthy um, world-class mindset? That's question one. What are the common attributes? And then question two is what can – the everyday person like myself, what can I do to tap into some of that juice? Great question. Um, okay, so let's start with, it's been one of the missions in my life to understand, is there a golden thread that binds the best in the world? I haven't found one yet. <laughs> okay, so I'm not there yet. I don't know if there is, but I'm, I'm hunting and searching for that very uh, attribute. Okay, that being said, there are core principles. And these core principles seem to show up across most of world-class. When I say world-class, I'm talking about the half percenters, the tip of the arrow folks. And I just want to make sure I, I caveat this with just because they're best in the world doesn't mean that you would want to have them over for dinner. It doesn't mean that you would want them in your ecosystem. You might want to... Um, Watch what they do and be up close and personal, but it doesn't mean that they are enjoyable to be around, okay? That's not always the case. And the second caveat I want to have is that those half percenters, those tip of the air folks, they are more like you and I than not. And they're more like each other than they are you and I. Mm. That's a complicated way of saying that we're right on the doorstep. Okay, but they tend to be more similar to each other than than they are to you and I. But they are a lot like us. They are not born necessarily different. That'll only take you so long. Being seven foot one in the NBA, you got to work pretty hard because the talent is so high that, you know, being six, four, six, three, even five, ten. If you don't have the ability to keep up, then, you know, the game will pass you by. It's an asset, though, to be seven one. <laughs> like that, that's a, you know, it's a good starting place. Okay. All right. Enough of the phys physical stuff on the psychology stuff. Um, they tend to have a clear purpose. That's one. They tend to, um, know themselves pretty well and they're dedicated to getting to the truth of things. Mm -hmm. So that truth seeking is like the ground zero for getting better because you can't keep putting band-aids on things. You want to get to the truth of something. It is not an easy path. This is uh, the third element. It's not easy. The bridge over the, the, the rough waters of life, only the person can build themselves. And so it's not for the faint of heart to try to explore one's potential. This is not an easy way to go through life. It is much easier to be average. There are different types of suffering that comes with that, though. There are no shortcuts, no hacks, no tricks, no tips. There are no secrets that I would hold to share, but there are practices. There's fundamental decisions in life. That fundamental decision is to approach success, to approach potential, as opposed to avoid failure. Another fundamental decision is, are you going to fundamentally orientate your life towards your potential, as opposed to looking good, making money over making growth? You know, so there's some fundamental decisions that are made. And then if we drop down underneath of that, um, there are a handful of mental skills that keep showing up, which is they have the ability to be present and they've trained their mind most of the time to be present under stressful conditions. They tend to have an optimistic framework and I'd be hard pressed to find any individual that is a tip of the arrow, world-class, you know, on the frontier that doesn't believe that it's going to work out. They believe they fundamentally believe that it is going to work out. That's optimism. We believe that that's at the center of mental toughness, to have the discipline to hold the future in your mind that 
could be good. Even when you're getting feedback right now that it's not working well. And that's one of the reasons, if you look at the Seattle Seahawks, why I think um, we're so good in the third and fourth quarter is because optimism is a learned and trained skill. And Coach Carroll embodies it, and we teach it every day uh, across the organization, inside the culture. Amazing. Amazing. Well, first of all, I want to put a pin in this discussion and say people are freaking out right now. are already taking notes. We've got DC, Los Angeles. We've got Sydney, Australia. We've got London. I saw a Morocco. Um, to suffice to say, people tuning in from all over the world for our, our live conversation here. And just a good reminder, if you are interested in me sharing your question from wherever it is that you're currently sitting, uh, please go to creativelive.com slash TV. And then up in the upper right hand corner of that thing, just click live chat, ask a question, and I will do what I can to bring that question to you uh, here, Dr. Michael. Um, Charlotte just chiming in here. Charlotte, we got the Philippines. Now, of course, as soon as I say a location, 500 people shout their locations. Uh, but suffice to say, you've captured the, um, the, you've enticed us to go deeper right now. And a lot of people are asking, oh, professionally, is your job something that all of these teams and in and these individual athletes and coaches is this is this common, or are you some sort of a new archetype that's emerging here in the 2020 era, and and I just I think people who are looking at you like wow I had no idea that so much time and energy and money and, and whatnot was con was like channeled towards mental toughness and uh, the psychology at this elite level so. Um, are you one of a, are you one of few or is this a standard job? It's an awesome question. Uh, super thoughtful. So the, the discipline of psychology is relatively new, you know, compared to other studies that have been around for other sciences that have been around for a long time, but sports psychology and performance psychology is about 45 ish years old. And so maybe 50 years old. So it is you know, on the newer side of science, if you will. And it's the science and the study of how the extraordinary organize their inner life and how they train their mind to pursue their potential. Mm. So now let's snap it into sport. Um, when we went to the Super Bowl, Wall Street Journal did an article and they really were digging to understand the stories inside the stories inside the stories. And one of the things that we didn't know, Coach Carol and I did not know, is that uh, he created the first opportunity for a sports psychologist across the season to be on the field. And it was our first year when we talked about it, like, hey, how, how do you think this best goes? And we just kind of created it from there. Like, yeah, okay, uh, let's be in the amphitheater. Let's be in the office. Let's be, you know, on the plane. Let's be in the field, like the whole thing. Let's have a 365 or 360 degree approach to it. And He's an innovator, <laughs> you know, he's a harbinger. He's one of those half percenters. And now fast forward, every team in the NFL is required to have somebody on staff that services uh, mental health and or sport performance uh, needs. And so it's, uh, that's uh, been about an eight year arc to see that trans uh, transpire. So that's been pretty cool. Wow. Wow. And yeah. I think as uh, you 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 highlighted the age of sports psychology, and we've shared this. We've talked before. I shared that uh, my background was in soccer, and I was on the Olympic development team, and uh, ended up turning my back on a professional soccer career to pursue things that were of more interest to me at the time. But I remember the emergence of this, uh, or maybe it was the popularity because it had emerged a little bit before my time, but not too far, and. I, I dabbled with it and it was transformative in a single, I took a single class and read a single book and I felt my performance radically change. So again, and I felt like early in life, I tapped into that, that had actually brought me back to a meditation practice today and uh, spending a lot of time with my own mental health and wellness. Uh, and so the question for you then is I just tapped into this as an athlete. How did you orient toward it? as an athlete yourself, uh, as a high performer, or did you come at it from the academic side? And, uh, I'm dying to know how you, how, how does one in your world 
go from, you know, the first exposure to the world-class performer that you are in the area of psychology and top perform- top performers? Okay, cool. Um, I'll tell you this, that it was, all, <laughs> it was an accident, like a complete accident. And in, not a surprise though. And I'll tell you why, is that when I grew up, I didn't know anyone that had a doctoral degree. I didn't, the only doctor I knew was like, you know, the, my pediatrician. And the reason I share this, no one in my family graduated from college. So I was not this image that you might imagine, like, okay, this was always going to be the case. He was going to go on and get his advanced degrees. And that was not the case. And what ends up happening is that I was a young athlete and I was struggling. I could do, it was surfing was my sport. I could do the stuff I wanted to do in free surfing. And then as soon as competition time came on, I was a bit of a disaster and I knew my skill didn't go away. I knew my technical, you know, parts didn't evaporate and I knew my body was still fit. So what was left? It was my mind, but I didn't even know there was a field called psychology. I'm 15 years old, literally wet behind the ears and I'm out there. Like, I feel like just struggling, dislocated, you know, in, in the psychological, physical space. And so a mentor of mine suggested like, Hey, there's this discipline of psychology you might be interested in, you know, like, dude, you're, you're kind of a wreck with it, you know? And so I was like, what is that? And so I got into, um, so in, um, the U S there's a test called the SAT, right? And so the SAT is the entrance exam into colleges. I got a zero how about it? I went surfing. Wow. So I, and, and I, I, so I had no chance of getting into college. And then when it came time to like all the, all my friends were going, not all my friends, all my friends were surfers and we were kind of <laughs> like, you know, well, that's great. Uh, that you guys are going to universities. We're just going to travel the world and surf. And my parents looked, my mom pulled me aside and she pulled, uh, she pulled me into the kitchen. She's like, Hey, listen, we really tried. And, um, you know, you've got two choices now either get a job and move out like, you know, and you can do that or you can go to junior college as we called it. And I thought junior college, what? Like, what, what is that? And I was like, no way am I doing that? That it's either you go big or you go home. And so then she says, well, we thought you might say that, but here's where the school is. And it was right in front of a world-class surf break. <laughs> I said, I said I can, hold on. I'm doing <laughs> like, that. Uh, sign I, me up. <laughs> I know how to do school and surf. Okay. And so it completely, Chase, it completely happened by accident where it was my first semester. And I didn't, I was bored in high school. I did not study. You know, it wasn't my thing to, I just was so interested in progression and getting better and figuring out the ocean and figuring out me and figuring out the ocean and figuring out. And I was obsessed with it. I would walk home from school because I didn't have a car. I'd walk home from school and on the hedges, I, I would look up the hedge and I'd hit like I, it's a huge wave and I'm surfing these waves kind of walking and people I'm sure saw me like this kid is nuts. What is he doing? But I'm sur- I'm, I'm tucking underneath these big trees like I'm getting barreled. And so I was obsessed with trying to figure out how to get better. All right, fast forward to my first semester at junior college. Um, these three professors come to find out they're best friends. This sounds like a bad joke about to happen. It was a theologian, a psychologist, and a philosopher. And Dr. Cusio, Dr. Zenka, and Dr. Perkins, I love you guys. Because they saw me coming and they're like, hey kid, <laughs> come over here. Like, we want to show you something. And it was like the world of the invisible. And it was amazing. And so from there, I feel so fortunate because it was not by design, but it was this collision of my suffering as a 15 year old kid suffers, like my suffering there, um, and my deep commitment and interest to grow and get better in an innovative way. And then them happening to be so good at their craft to recognize this kid and say, we want to show you how your mind and spirit and how philosophy works. Hey, come over here. And it was from there, just, it just uh, set me on fire. Amazing. Um, lots of questions now pouring in. And again, if you're just joining us on one of the streaming services, I'm Chase sitting down here with Dr. Michael Gervais, head psychologist for the Seattle Seahawks uh, and co-founder of compete to create um, a framework, a learning uh, platform framework focused specifically on mindset. And 
of course, we're in uncertain times right now, and uh, no one in our lifetime has experienced anything like this. And so to say that it's a it's new and it's leaving people feeling different than they have at any other time is probably putting it mildly. Um, so wanted to welcome you all here if you're just joining. And I wanted to invite Dr. Michael to share a little bit about um, we we just we learned how you got into it. And you were sucked in as a surfer, um, walking down the sidewalk, picturing, you talked, you said the word obsession so many times right there. Um, there are a lot of people who are listening and watching from all over the world. We see, you know, the Philippines and, uh, Dallas, Texas and Oslo, Norway and Port Orchard, Washington, New Jersey. And I think there are people who are listening right now saying, Okay, great. I'm also obsessed with whatever it is that I'm focused on. My career, um, just let's just call it uh, thriving. I'm, I'm I'm obsessed with thriving at whatever area of focus I have. Whether again, it's a creator or an entrepreneur. Sure, the times are crazy right now, but can you please give me something, something to hold on to, that will take me from where I am right now? to the next level. Cause as you walk down the street, as you connected with those professors and you got hooked, there was something that hooked you. And probably that was your ability to do something, to take some action. So for everybody at home that's listening right now, what are some actions that you recommend for tapping into this mindset that we know today, we used to think now we know scientifically that is critical to top performance in any field. Okay, so that's the big takeaway right there. I'll start with that last little hook that you offered is that, and then I'll give a very practical suite of things that people can do. And there is no one tactic though. There's no one little thing that's gonna be the thing. Mm -hmm. It really is a fundamental orientation to grow and to get better, to progress. Now here's, I was gonna say, I wanna grab that last hook. There's only three things as humans we can train. We can train our craft, our technical skills. We can train our body our frame, you know, our carriage, if you will, and we can train our mind. The best in the world, they're not leaving one of those up to chance. Right. <laughs> okay, so so what, why, why should you? Why should you leave it up to chance? Because in 1980, psychology was a little weird. And okay, you know, it's a new field and we didn't quite know how to deal with the invisible and people, they, we didn't know better, it was born out of a medical model where, you know, we were focusing on what was broken. But there's a new emerging understanding of psychology, which is the science of what is amazing and how the best in the world organize their inner life. You have access to that now, too. It's not that complicated. It really isn't. I'm going to put some handles on as many tools as I possibly can here. But you have to do the work, mm -hmm. right? It's not easy work. It's not complicated. And there's two basic camps. There's the self-discovery camp which is really learning about who you are, what makes you work, what are you driven by, what's your purpose, what's your philosophy, what is your mission in life, what does fulfillment look like? I can't give you those. Nobody yeah. can. That's the classic know, know thyself, right? You have, to, you have to be able to answer those for yourself before, yeah, before you go any further. And, and that's all foundational. How about it? That builds the base. So so you got to start with discovery. This is one of the reasons that mindfulness is so powerful because it's, it's an examination, it's an observation, it's a watching and learning how thoughts and thought patterns work, how thoughts and emotions and emotional patterns work together, you know? And so it's really powerful. The other two are writing. Of all the words of your native tongue, when you're gonna try to describe the man or woman you want to be, or the man or woman that you are now, <laughs> of all the words, what words do you choose? Writing is a forcing function to, so to solve things, to sort out clarity. The third is conversations with wise men and wise women. And we all have availability to at least one of those, okay? So I would start with, what is your purpose in life? I would start with that big question, what is, and if you don't know it because it feels too big, no problems. What is your purpose during COVID? What do you want it to be? Make a declarative statement. My purpose during this time is going to be, and that's like a nice little thin slice of mm. what it feels like to have purpose. And when people have clarity of purpose, they can endure much pain. And 
what happens to most people under pain is that they turn inward or they get too aggressive outwardly. And instead of like compassionately, eloquently managing pain, we all suffer, Chase. You know that we all suffer. So how are we going to deal with your suffering, my suffering and our suffering together? Well, we need to understand ourselves first. Okay, so that's a whole self-discovery camp. I could go on and on about it, but I would say this. One, know your purpose, okay? If you already know your purpose, great. Help somebody else know their purpose, okay? Second order of business is know your unwavering, your, um, your guiding principles. This is a fancy word for your philosophy. Know your philosophy of life. Not your purpose, it's different. But what is your philosophy? What are those... Give us an example. Well, I'll, I'll tell you mine. I'll tell you Coach Carroll's, right? My, my, my business partner and the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. So his is always compete. Super simple, right? What does that mean? When you double click, always compete means compete, strive, strain, work together to become your very best, to be a great dad, to be a great coach, to be a great friend, to be a great father. Compete. I mean, strive and strain together, not celebrate somebody else's failure, but the Latin origin of the word is to compete to find your very best. So always compete is his philosophy, okay? Uh, Jesus's philosophy, I'll get to mine in a second. Jesus's philosophy, where, you know, we're just on the heels of a very spiritual week from a judo-Christian standpoint, and Jesus's was, hey, love each other. It's, it's kind of that simple. Why don't you guys love each other? Let me show you how that looks, what that looks like, right? And so another philosophy, like God's philosophy, kind of worked out it in the Ten Commandments, so to speak, right? Like, hey, here, here's some unwavering principles to live by. How about it? Mother Teresa's, what was hers? I don't know why I'm on the, I mean, the holy thing is just because we're on the heels of last week, um, yeah. Easter and, and whatever, but hers was very simple. Mark, Dr. King, what was his? Tell us, what was it? <laughs> equality, you know, like, come on, let's get this thing right. And so, and then he, and Dr. King and Malcolm X actually had a very similar uh, philosophy and, and guiding principle, but they have very different tactics against it. Yeah. All right. So mine is super simple. It's every day is an opportunity to create a living masterpiece. And so opportunity every day, meaning today, opportunity, meaning optimistic, Create, meaning like I think that that's the highest form of humans is to artistically create. And then a living masterpiece is exactly, it's meant to be ambiguous for you to figure out maybe what your living masterpiece is. But mine, I can I can double click under that and explain it. But that usually Ooh. does. No, other, go oh, for okay. it. This is like people are losing their mind right now. Someone just said, uh, Ellie just said, uh, note after note after note being taken. Thank you for so, so much for like, just keep going, Michael. Keep going. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I want to make sure we get to like the the handles of the ways that we can actually train our mind. Self-discovery is part of it, but there's also mental skills, which. All right. Well, we, like, can shift gear. we can shift gears to mental skills. Put, put, yeah, let's put yeah. a bow on this, though. Yep. What you've just said is that you, you need to have a purpose and then know your personal philosophy. The purpose is like how you like did, give us a little bit more on the distinguishing characteristics of purpose versus philosophy. OK, so let's say let's say you've got a goal to make a million dollars or feed a million people. Well, actually, no, let's do it something easier. Like the goal is to win a game. Let's just do okay. sport for a minute because it's so okay. concrete to win a game. For what reason? To make a lot of money, well, that could be your purpose, but it ends up falling kind of short. You know, when we study it, it ends up falling short. To make a lot of money to feed your family, that's purpose. To make money to feed many families, that's purpose. And there's no judgment or critique, but it is, there's three elements when we study the science of purpose. One, nobody can give it to you, it has to matter to you. So it's personally meaningful to you. That's the first order business. Second is that it has to be bigger than you. The scientists that study purpose say, okay, it's bigger than oneself. And the third is it's future oriented. So we have to work toward it. So those are the three characteristics of purpose. And Simon Sinek, great psychologist said, you know, know your why. Cool. Mm -hmm. And so now what we're talking about is the science of purpose. Almost the same thing. Right. Brilliant. Yeah. So, brilliant. So that's very different than your 
unwavering commitment and guiding principles. So the principles are like love. That's a principle. Compassion, um, creative expression, um, authenticity. You know, those are those are guiding principles. And so you got to know your guiding principles and then know why you're working those so diligently is towards your one's purpose. Amazing. Yeah. Um, one related before we shift gears to some of the actual tactics, let's maybe use this as a bridge because for example, Ellie is writing in right now. She wants to know what are some steps for those of us who are trying to write down and articulate these things. You're presenting these things to us. You're blowing our minds. We need to get the down on paper. Yeah. What, what do you recommend? And and Ellie, uh, I think, asks what a lot of people have. Now I see, of course, a bunch of those questions coming into the feed here. Um, can you give us a tactic before we step to shift gears here to a bunch of tactics? Like, how, what do you what do you advise to people who don't? Ac- you know, can't accurately capture it in a moment. Like how do they discover these things or how do they uncover them through writing? Okay. That's awesome. Because the first order of business is that you already have a personal philosophy. It's evidenced by the car you bought or didn't buy the clothes that you wear, the watch that you have or don't have, you know, you already have a- an operating system about how you make choices. So the guiding principles are are the evidence of the guiding principles are your thoughts, the types of thoughts you have, the types of words you choose, and the types of actions that you take. Mm. Now, if it's if it's like a junkyard philosophy, then it's just kind of like undisciplined in that way. It's really hard to be crisp and clear and to be powerful, if you will. So how do you do it? One is you gotta kind of examine yourself. And the way that I advise people to do. Oh, first note that anyone that is a first responder, Mm. um, to the COVID crisis that we're in right now, all, anything that I've just described, we have uh, for the rest of the year, it's free. It's our eight week online course. And, um, it's completely free. It's an, it's an amazing way to do all of this work in a condensed way in a community of like-minded people. And so that's at compete to create.net forward slash warriors edge. And so this is all free for let's, everyone let's, that's saving our lives. Yeah, for the people that are working in chat rooms right now on the Creative Live side, let's please enter that URL so anyone can can see that and have access to it. If you're a first responder, Dr. Michaels just made his program available to you for free. So yes. very, very, very generous. We'll capture that in the thoughts in the notes here. Yeah. Okay. Great. Now, if you're not a first responder and you're a first responder for your family, so to speak, is um, the first thing is like. Who are the people that do something to inspire you? Like when you think about these people, you're like, wow, that person's amazing. Just write a list of who those people are. And then right next to their names, like what are the characteristics that they embody? That's probably going to be an important start for you. The next thing that you can do is write down the phrases that you find yourself saying often. Things that are like cornerstone statements, you know, that matter to you. And then from that, I would look at all of those words on that page and I'd start circling the words that are most important. And then I would reduce that or call that down to 25 words, some sort of sentence in 25 words. Now, this is not a description of who you are at your best. This is a description, a capture of your guiding principles in life. And then from that, I'd worked and see if I could get that down to like five or six or seven words, you know, something that the litmus test for me is, could you get it out in a dark alley under duress? Could you say your personal philosophy? And you don't need to make up your own. (laughs) You can use any one of the world religions. They've got some clarity there. The most dynamic political leaders across the globe, they have a clear philosophy. You know Nelson Mandela's philosophy because Nelson his thoughts, his words, and his actions all lined up against the way he uh, thought humans could live. Mm-hmm. And so that's a powerful human now. That's right. Orlan Castillo from Facebook just chimed in exactly that word. Thoughts, words, and actions line up. So that is very helpful for orienting those of us who are, are trying to make, trying to capture um, our reason for being, our purpose, 
uh, and our philosophy. I like the distinction there. Um, you promised, uh, you know, 10 minutes ago when I took us down a little bit of a tangent to bring us back to some tactics. Now we were just, you know, getting that stuff on paper. That's a great example of a tactic, but there are again, so many people right now who are looking for ways to, you might even be a positive thinker like, okay, COVID has, um, hit me with a curveball, but I'm, you know, one of my core values and a belief that I have is that, you know, when it's, you know, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. I'm speaking um, in a cliche fashion for for a reason here. But just to, to, to keep it simple, like there are people who are we're going to take two sides of the same coin. There are people who are really worried right now, like this is the worst thing. My business is falling apart. So many in the creator and the entrepreneur space are facing hardships they've never faced. And then there are also people who are like, OK, Life gives me lemons. Let's make some lemonade here. Do you have, is the advice for those two uh, kinds of people the same advice? If so, what is it? What is the, what is step one, two, three for bringing mindset, a positive mindset or the right mindset? I'll even say, I don't want to use the word positive, the right mindset to this time. Okay. Couple, couple big notes first is that what what we're struggling with is a heightened uncertainty okay so what uncertainty does is it creates a sense of anxiety not lost on anybody but you know what eight weeks ago you didn't know how the world was going to unfold but we just kept going we kept putting into action the best way we knew how that's not different mm -hmm. right now right so if you're going to allow your mind to be hijacked by a new uncertainty, not, not, not uncertainty is still uncertainty, but it's just a new uncertainty, mm. then, then that's problematic now because yeah. I'll, and here's another example, Chase, is that evidenced right now, do you know what I'm about to say? No, no, you're uncertain. I'm uncertain. Yeah. I don't even know what I'm about to say. I didn't know I was going to ask that question, you know? So it's like our life is unfolding right now and it's unpredictable. It's uncertain. And it's always unfolding. In your whole life, you've been managing uncertainty, the unfolding unknown moment. And that's a really important thing to remember, that you've done well so far. Okay, could you do better? Maybe. Maybe you've just absolutely crushed it in life. What does that mean? It means that you've been, in, you've been present in most moments of your life. Think about that. So that's back to a living masterpiece is that you have command of your mind that you're able to live in the present moment more often than not, maybe most of your day, if you could really have a living masterpiece. And so why the present moment? Because that's where wisdom is revealed. It's where all things true, beautiful, and good are experienced is where high performance is expressed. It is the conduit to being human. And so when we get ahead of ourselves and we're thinking about all the things that could go wrong in the future, it creates a constrictor, both in our mind and our body. It constricts us. And when we get too constricted, we can't, we're not free. You know, we can't unbind ourselves that way. So all that being said is what are some strategies here yeah. is it's a fundamental decision that you are going to, um, authentically work on growth. Okay. Good. Now, when your mind starts to get to that panic state, you've got a choice to make. Are you going to think about a pessimistic future or an optimistic future? You have to decide. You don't get both. You choose. Mm -hmm. And they're, they are learned behaviors. Optimism and pessimism are learned. And, so, and there's only two options. It's either optimism or pessimism. That's it. And so you have to make a choice right now, which is it going to be? And if you find the weaker part of your mind being pessimistic and being doom and gloom, then it's as simple as like, wait a minute, I already made up my mind. Hold on. Let's flip this train of thought over to something optimistic. How do, the, how do people, yeah, how do people, I'm going to push on this just a little bit. How do people who find themselves in that position right now, like I think of myself as positive, but I got fired from my job yesterday. I'm looking down the barrel of my rent and sure, I really want to be positive. I said two weeks, two minutes, like, you know, two days, two hours ago that I was going to be positive. And here I'm finding myself in this not so positive mindset. What are the words that we say to ourselves to get us back? 
Okay, so uh, it goes back to something fundamental. Do you believe you can do hard things? Have you earned the right to say, I can do hard things in my life? And if you have, if you looked down a double barrel shotgun before, metaphorically, hopefully, if you've done hard things, you got to own that because right now you're in the thick of it. If you haven't done hard things, then I hope you can hear this. Karch Karai, one of the greatest volleyball players to ever play the game. Okay, so he's he's won gold medals as a coach, as an athlete, both in beach and indoor. Amazing athlete in uh, American volleyball or U.S. volleyball. I was fortunate enough to work with his team in the last quad going into the Rio games. And he says it was almost like a throwaway comment. He says, Mike, I've never met anyone that's won a gold medal or even medaled, period, and hasn't faced down a double barrel shotgun. Let's get our team great at the double-barreled shotgun. I was like, yeah, okay. So what does that mean for right now? If you haven't been tested, because you're new in life, let's say, well, okay, here it is. Here's your double-barreled shotgun. What are you gonna do about it? And I don't say that callously. I know I've got anxiety moments that come up for me about my future and my economics and my business, you know, and, and my loved one's health and the community at large. So, so I have that as well. My awareness of those types of thinking is short-lived because I know that they're taking me to down a track that is not where I need to be. And so what do I do? With great awareness, I course correct, and oftentimes it involves a deep breath. So we've got that ancient brain that sits in our skull. It's amazing. And when we send a long exhale back to our system, it says to our brain, hey, we're okay. <laughs> the saber-toothed tiger, we're, we're free from it. Like there's no threat happening in this present moment. And as, as simple as that sounds, it is one of the more radical disruptive things that you can do when you feel anxiety. And that exhale, let it be eight seconds or 10 seconds, four seconds up. You're always using your nose for breathing for most of the part. And then the exhale, let it be double in length, four to 10 seconds. That is a biological trait, right? This deep breathing have has a calming effect on your biology. Is that, is that, is that fair to say? Absolutely. This is one of the reasons it is so powerful to train breathing so that you're skilled at it when you need it. It's another reason we, we train mindfulness and meditation because mind, the essence of mindfulness is not relaxation, right? That is not it. That's a gold dust. It's not the gold. The gold of mindfulness is awareness so that you can understand how to be in the present moment and so that you can adjust to the unfolding, unpredictable known. So it's that, it's that awareness training from mindfulness and the deep breath work and breathing work that does allow us to pivot from a very biological framework or standpoint. Laser, that is, is an amazing, very, very simple um uh, I would say remedy. I'll use that word lightly because uh, there's probably a lot of stuff going on. Give us two or three other things that for people who right now this is a tough time and they're looking to whether they're a pessimistic or optimistic, as you said, we've got two choices. You can be one or the other. Uh, can you put a circle around uh, another activity that is good regardless of your approach? Like breathing is super key. It's a this you know whatever key to life. Um, what else? Give us, uh, give us a couple of other, these are just candy. We're eating it up over here. A lot of notes being taken, uh, awesome. I see in the comments. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I would suggest that the breath work, like there's two ways to go about it. Maybe it's in the 16 hours that you're awake. Maybe you're taking 200 deep breaths, right? Purposeful deep breaths. But I would suggest something maybe even more dynamic, which is you work, you, you establish like six to eight minutes of doing that work on a daily basis. You've heard meditation and mindfulness. You know the science of it. It's been around 2,600 years. You Now is the time, okay? It's not too late. Now is the time to invest in that work. The science is ridiculous. And I could go on and on about the benefits of that. Now is a powerful time to do it. And you know, there's lots of apps. You don't need an app, but if you want to get an app for some training, that's cool too. For six minutes, set your timer. Maybe it's two minutes, maybe it's eight. Optimal, optimal dose, according to science, is around 20 minutes. All you're doing is following 
one part of your breath at a time. Follow the inhale and then follow the exhale and then do it again and again and again. And your mind's going to wander and you just gently and quickly return it back. And so that would be the most simple way to think about mindfulness training. Now, what else can we do? Um, you got to get your recovery right. Flat out, get your recovery right. There's four main buckets of recovery, right? So sleep well, eat well, move well, and think well. And in the world stage of athletics, we talk more about recovery than we do working hard. Just about everybody works hard, you know? Like there are freaks that, you know, eat a full pizza and then jump 42 inches and you know like there's there's just freaks you know in, in every domain you know but for the most part like everybody's working really hard so recovery is us bolstering our immune system it's bolstering our ability to be able to do it again the hard thing that we're trying to do together to do it again day in and day out and so getting your recovery systems right is massive right now and so you know um Six weeks ago, I in six weeks, I've had probably three glasses of wine, four glasses of wine. That's it. Now, that's not normal. Normally, like, you know, my wife and I or some friends will have a glass of wine here and there, but we put it away. We're like, hey, listen, <laughs> this war is going to be met at my immune system and my immune system is going to be on point. Guarantee it. OK, so th that's another thing to do. Um, Last thing I would suggest to you is get in the service of other people. Say I mean, more. there is same yeah. more. What do you mean by that? Right now, people need you. They, your kids need you to be strong. They need you to get down and, you know, look at them eye to eye, tell, listen to them, hear what they have to say, feel what it's like to be them. Don't try to solve anything, but be there to calibrate and then look them in the eye and remind them that your job is to take care of them. And you're going to do everything that you can to take care of them. Take that same spirit and do it with your community members. Right now, people are struggling. I'm concerned and scared for the mental health issues that are going to start happening. We've already seen an uptick in suicidality. We've seen an uptick in depression, anxiety. Call your people. Send them a note. Reach out to them. Pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I love you. You know, uh, I hope you're doing well. And follow on. I mean, it's not just so trite that way, but follow on and have a meaningful conversation thereafter. So I don't know. Those are some of the, the, the big rocks to get in the container. Amazing. And speaking of giving back and supporting and showing up for your community, uh, we've cap captured that in the notes. Your, if you are a first responder, uh, Mike just gave you a resource where you can have access to his training for free. You want to say that, uh, you are one, one more time here on the air. Please. Yeah. Uh, so happy to do this. It's, it's called compete to create.net forward slash warriors edge. And so for all first responders, we got you, we got your back. We want to say thank you. The course is $500 free for the rest of the year. Uh, it's an eight week online course and we're so stoked, you know, uh, to introduce that to your community. And if you're not a first responder, um, there's, I, I'm happy to give people a discount, you know, for the course. And so send an email to compete to create.net and we'll, we'll take care of them as well. We, we want people's health to be on point. And so we want to take care of first responders first. And for everyone else who is taking care of first responders, whatever, we want to have your back now. Amazing. Thank you so much for the generosity. Same thing at creative live, creativelive.com slash wellness classes. Uh, we've made a, a bunch of classes free there as well. It won't have uh, the, the epic focus that um, Dr. Mike has on um, mindful awareness, um, mindfulness and mindset. Oh, we've got all kinds of stuff there for you as well. Um, I think it, like showing up for your people is just a, it's a great piece of advice, not just in this moment, but it's just a, you, I think you said be of service. That is goes back to purpose. It goes, there's so many things. Those are, it's a continuous thread that I see across, you know, the hundreds of guests of top performers that I have uh, had on, on this show. And I've, you know, listened to so many episodes of your podcast, finding mastery it just seems like such a, a, a thread. Um, I don't know. Is that something that's always been a part of your practice? Oh yeah. It's actually good science too. You know, is that when, 
Um, folks have a purpose and they're uh, greater themselves, like we talked about, but they're doing acts of service for other people. It, it's an inoculation to anxiety, depression, even addiction. And so, um, you know, volunteer some time, do something for other people, call them, do something kind for other people, be in service. It goes a long way, not only for them, but for you as well. And that last note that I'd want to say, Chase, two things. Yeah, One sure. is thank you for including me in your community. And if folks haven't listened to our podcast on Finding Mastery, like, yeah. it, I loved it. It was, it was so good. Like, it was such a good episode. I loved it. I loved every part of it. It was so enjoyable. Well, and then you the do, last- You do such a great job. Oh, yeah. Thanks, mate. And then uh, ditto. You gave me the runway here to just riff and <laughs> have some fun with it. So the other piece is- um. So back to like the tactics, Yeah. waking up in the morning, you know, the, it's two parts, at least two parts. So there's the physical wake up where you get out of bed and kind of stretch and kind of get your body moving, but why not finish the job and wake up your mind? So I don't necessarily want to give like a structure, but just that thought, if you were to wake up your mind, if you were to prime your mind to be great, what would you do first thing, you know, when your eyes opened up, what would you do? And I think that that type of commitment sets the tone for the rest of the day. And then that can become a habit, hopefully eventually. Awesome. Last question for me. I know we're, uh, we promised to get you on the road here shortly, but I can't help but ask this one. And it's, it's, it's part personal, but I think it'll be in service of the community. Speaking of, we still have people coming in from all over the world. Um, if you're joining us in the chat, thank you very much. I'm sorry we didn't get to all your questions, but um, I'll do what I can to follow up in the comments. But my question is this, Mike. So I remember uh, I went to the Hawks game. I was your guest at one. And it was a, a game that we ended up going into overtime. And I remember having a conversation with you. Um, and we won, of course. It was a great game. Um, but there are people who are under duress right now. And I remember having a conversation with you in the sideline. You're like, yeah, it's not really about right now. Because Russell Wilson, the quarterback for the Seahawks, like I'm, I'm – it, it has to be extraordinary for me to be talking to him about this right now moment. So you did some coaching for us. You helped people who are stuck right now in this COVID moment. But for people who want to be an elite performer and they're using this as a reminder, okay, great. I, I, I realized I didn't do all of the work. I met my first challenge here amid COVID, but I want to commit to a life of super high performance. And I want to commit to a strong mindset a la Russell Wilson, his, your vision and the vision for the team and Russell's vision is it's big in scope and it's long in distance. What for people right now should they be thinking about? Is it adopting a series of practices? What are three very, very basic things that you would recommend if someone's trying to change their life from this part forward? with respect to their mindset, one, two, or three things, just give us something to hang their hat on. That's not dealing with this acute trauma right now that wants us to be great in one, three, five, nine years. Awesome question. Okay. So we go from thoughts to thought patterns to habits of thought. So we want to invest in the, that outcome, which is great habits, right? Great habits of thought. So here would be the three that I would talk about is one, start with writing down and committing to your purpose. What are you doing as a human? Like, what is your purpose here on the planet, you know, for the X number of years that we have left? So I would sort that out. The second thing that I would do is I would make, I would double down, triple down in a mindfulness practice to learn more about, to raise awareness, I should say, about your inner life and the unfolding external life. Right. Raise that awareness so that you can pivot and adjust and be more connected to the things that matter more. So those are two. And the third is that I would triple down on what we believe is at the center of mental toughness, which is optimism. So many people, when getting punched in the stomach or kicked in the teeth or feel like they're, you know, down and out, they they fold and they don't fold in like a wimpy kind of way, but they give up on staying and being disciplined in the present moment. And how did they blame others? They, they stop wanting to like risk looking bad. They maybe they just get a little small and tight and tense. So I would triple down on optimism training. 
And there's lots of research on how you can do and develop an optimistic framework, but you got to get past this idea that it's weak. You got to get past this idea that you're going to get taken advantage of because optimism training is a fundamental commitment that's born into mental toughness. It's a fundamental commitment that you have the discipline of mind to focus on what is good and what could be good. And then you start to trust yourself to work against that and trust others in your community that you know. Like I would never suggest trust other people that are, just have a big word game but don't really back it up. That, that's, that's some naive thing that, that doesn't play out properly. But invest in an optimistic framework. And because I tell you, I have not met a best in the world in anything, either, whether it's parenting or executives or arts or sport, that fundamentally does not believe it's going to work. And if you find yourself in moments of stress and pressure, constricting and tightening up and blaming and doing those things I mentioned, then you need a little training of optimism in there. And so those are the three. I, <laughs> so I, purpose, I, mindfulness, and optimism. Purpose, mindfulness, optimism. Dr. Mike, thank you so much. I'm also going to say thank you from uh, the people all over the world, from Rachel, from Safai, from Lauren, from Barbara, from Marilyn, from Richard, Orlin, Marcus, uh, every corner of the globe. There are people uh, lined up to say thank you for the last hour of your time. Um, and from one homie to another, thanks a lot for showing up on the show. It was such a treat to be on Finding Mastery, your podcast. I want to encourage people to check that out. Also, of course, uh, compete to create.net anything anywhere else you'd like to steer people who are new to your work or want to get more uh, yeah no that's it those are the two places like socials fun we're having a great time on social so you can find us at Michael Gervais G-E-R-V-A-I-S Finding Mastery is a great you know community that we've built um not as large as yours, but it's a community that we're building. And like, I'm so stoked to give anyone that's a frontline um, warrior right now, you know, compete to create.net forward slash warrior's edge, the eight week online course. I'm so stoked to do that with your community. So that's it, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you. And uh, it is a great conversation as well. I appreciate you a ton, man. I'll, uh, I'll reach out to you offline here when we can have a, a follow-up conversation. I'm glad to hear that you and the family are well. And thanks again for being on the show, bud. Hey, that was an awesome episode. But before you bounce, just I got three quick thoughts. First, thank you for being in this community. It gives me so much juice. I can't even tell you so much juice that when I hit publish and this show goes out into the ether, that there's an amazing community of like-minded people just like you consuming and sharing the show. So thank you. Second, it would be huge. It would mean the world to me if you left a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Now, we're regularly featured at the top slot there on Apple Podcasts page and others in Spotify, etc. And that's because of your reviews. So if you've ever wanted to uh, lend a hand or you got some value from me in the past and you want to pay it forward, that would be amazing. And then lastly, it would also mean the world to me if you shared the content that you get here. Whether it's a screenshot or a photo of where you're listening, anything via Instagram stories um, or any other social feeds, tagging me and the guests. Now, I repost this content and your comments all the time, so I would love to share your shoutouts in my feed too. Um, not only do these shoutouts uh, are, are they good for you and me, but they also help us book amazing guests because they see the reach that you cultivate. This is a way for you to help contribute to the show. So, again, want to say thanks i'm just at chase jarvis you can use at creative live as well and the guests are easy to track down because they are well they're usually quite well-known people um but again thank you so much for listening i'm looking forward to being in your ears again hopefully tomorrow